0: Okay, so we're finally recording this. It's been what a, about four weeks? We've been since we started talking about starting this podcast, and before we actually start recording this first episode,
1: something like that. Yeah. Um,
0: welcome to the uh, Easily Distracted Podcast. Uh, where we're going to talk about everything we like to get distracted by. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm Trevor. Um. So. I kind of want to start by going over, like, a, what what we've been watching and what we've been playing. So, um, I don't know, Trevor, if you want to start. What, what have you been
1: watching and what have you been playing lately? To yeah, that's a loaded question. Because <laughs> um, I'm kind of all over the place. So,
0: um, anything in particular that's, like, uh, been...
1: That uh, you've been really getting into, I guess, lately, then? Thanks to Crunchyroll. I didn't really think that uh, my pre order was going to come in that quickly, but uh, I bought the 30th anniversary collection for Yu Yu Hakusho. And right before I bought that, I had just started watching it over again. That's been on my list to rewatch for a long time. I've. I remember
0: uh, back when I was on Toonami; would probably be the last time I actually watched it, and I didn't get to see the whole series. So that's something I'm definitely—it's definitely on my list to go back and rewatch. I remember that's one of the uh, that's one of the anime I think of when I think of Toonami because I I really uh, I really remember like the 90s anime. It's probably one of my favorite eras of anime, so that's definitely on there. Um, there's oh god, I have a whole list. Of, uh, I'm wanting to watch. You're a Mishy! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, do you, so what, what have you been playing? Anything?
1: Uh, yes. Talk about what I'm playing so that you can make the constant jokes that you always make. Uh, what have I done here recently? Well, because you play a lot more than I do because I just don't have the time right now. <laughs> Let's see here. Recently, things that I have marked off my backlog. Uh, I have played... Ruby Aerofell was something that I marked off my backlog last week, which it was fun. My only complaint is it was too short.
0: Ruby as in like uh, the anime that was yeah. started as a web series by Rooster Teeth, for pe- anyone who's not aware. It's actually a really, really decent, de- decent American-made anime that I highly suggest anybody try to find. It's kind of hard to watch now because it's behind a paywall on most platforms, so if you can find it or if you have a subscription, I think it's on Crunchyroll. I think... Um, and I think it's on Verve also, which is owned by Crunchyroll, so sh- that doesn't surprise me. So... Anything else you're wanting to go talk about or go into, or
1: it's very sad that I gotta that I gotta do this to go through. Let's see what I have marked off my backlog. Cult of the Lamb is something that I have marked off my list here recently, which that's that was very fun resource management slash kind of binding of Isaac. Beyonce got me onto that, and I got hooked, and took me a couple of weeks to get the platinum for that, and now it's going to sit until they make new content, because they have a roadmap of sorts, where it looks like here in the not-too-distant future, they should be releasing more content for it.
0: So they're going to have a bunch of DLC come out for it? Yes, that's what it looks like. Awesome. All right. Um, so I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom, which I know it's kind of late for me to be getting into that, but um, I've always been a huge Zelda fan. Um, I'll, uh, how mu- I know you've played some. I don't know how much all you've played, but uh, have, you, have you picked up Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom yet? I have not. I feel like you would enjoy it because uh, the way you play games, though, you like to run around and
1: just explore everything. It's its fun. Um, it, is, is that a thing on the ground? Is that a thing? I want the thing. Give me the thing. Give me the thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then That's just- the whole reason you brought me on here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: you, you get the thing and then, like, Two minutes later after using the thing it breaks and you have to go find another one or it's one of the ones that only spawns once and it's just gone forever but um i kind of didn't want to go into tears of the kingdom a little bit because i have a lot to say about it being such a huge zelda fan um i've played almost every main series zelda There's a couple that i haven't played or haven't finished um so i'll say right off the bat Uh, my opinion is a little bit skewed because I'm a traditional Zelda fan. I like the, the dungeons and I like the lots of dungeons and all the items, the key items in the dungeons and that kind of stuff. So uh, I enjoyed breath of the wild. Um, I got used to it after a while. It did feel like Zelda. I had a hard time with it feeling like Zelda at first to me. Um, When it came to tears of the kingdom, I was optimistic and I'm a little more disappointed than I would like to be uh, I, I thought the game was fun it tripled pretty much the size of the world it's the exact same uh, overworld but then they added like um, sky so you have like floating islands in the sky I don't know if you've played um, skyward sword or I have if you've not. seen anybody play it Um it's very reminiscent of that, but way bigger. It's what I wish Skyloft and uh, Skyward Sword would have been. Where you've got all these floating islands. Um, you've got like waterfalls and stuff. You can jump from one island down to another into a, a little pond or a lake or something. Um, you can glide from island to island and stuff. It's huge. But then they also added what they call the depths, which... Um, Storyline wise, there's an event that happens and it opens up a bunch of uh, caverns and there's a bunch of caves that have been added to the map where you can go underground and that is just as big under there. And there's different enemies down there and they have this gloom mechanic, which is one of the newer mechanics of the game where you lose health um, over time. So that is great. I love how they added way more to the to the world. As far as size and scope, um, it's got a great story. So far, I've—I'll admit—I've only played about six hours of the game, so I can only attest to how much of the story I've been exposed to so far. But I'm really liking the story, which is one of the big things. I'm a big uh, draws me into Zelda is the story. I'll, um, but to me, feels more like uh, a DLC than uh, an actual sequel, which kind of makes sense because it basically is a lot of the ideas they had for the DLC that they couldn't add because it would have been too much stuff. Gotcha. Cause I wasn't a huge fan of the breath of the wild DLC. I thought it was, it was fun, but I wish they would have done more, which it looks like they wanted to. They just couldn't figure out how to put what they wanted to into a DLC size. So I get why it feels like that. I just don't feel like they changed enough to get it away from feeling like that. I, I have the same problem with, uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man. It feels like a DLC. Even worse than uh, this game. Because it's like... Almost copy and paste the same game. They just change the villain and the villain minions. But the way you play the game is exactly the same. I kind of stopped playing Miles Morales after... I'm about a quarter of the way through. And I have no motivation to finish the game. Because it feels exactly the same. Mm. Um, So they did add some new mechanics into it. Like... um. They still have the shrines. They look different because their story, like just plot, they have to be different. But it's kind of weird because it's like, oh, there's a shrine right there that wasn't there in Breath of the Wild. So it's random new, they're giant rocks basically that have a, like a portal that opens up on them instead of being like a building like the shrines in Breath of the Wild were. But it's the exact same thing.
1: And that's kind of weird considering it's not that often that with legend of Zelda, they do a direct sequel to a storyline.
0: As far as I know, this is only like the third one they've done. Cause they did uh, adventures of link, which is supposed to be a direct, like not a direct sequel, but it's supposed to be a sequel to the first Zelda. Um, they did, uh, a link between worlds, which was supposed to be a direct sequel to, um, a link, a link to the past. And they've done this one. Um, Oh no, they did Spirit Tracks, which is also which is a uh, sequel to um or no, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks are sequels to uh, Wind Waker. Gotcha. But it's not really played into the story as much. It's just it's the same art style and it's supposed to be the same Link and Zelda.
1: Right, because part of the whole lore, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that with the Three pieces of the Triforce. Link, Zelda, and Ganon are just essentially their fates are intertwined.
0: Kind of, yeah. It's um, the way it was set up in was in uh, Ocarina of Time, I believe that was the first time it was explained when uh, Ganon uh, gets to the Triforce because his heart is imbalanced he only gets to keep the Triforce of Power and the Triforce of Wisdom and the Triforce of Courage um, basically went to Link and Zelda because they embodied those attributes the uh, the most. And that's kind of been the thing. It's like, oh, some of the games, Zelda still has the Triforce of Wisdom and then the next hero, the next Link, inherits the Triforce of Courage and usually doesn't even know it. That's most of the storyline, like, really simplified. But, um, so yeah, so uh, the way, so it it feels like a DLC, like I, like I said, cause the the shrines or it's pretty much the exact same thing. It's the shrines on the outside look different, but they're almost exactly the same on the inside. And it's like the puzzle solving from the dungeons that I like. It's just, it feels like they could have done more to make them different story wise, uh, appearance wise, the way you play through them, like they could have done something. It feels like, um, the guardians they have something that's like the equivalent of the guardians which were like the spider things in that tra- in the trailer that shot the laser beams um which were actually kind of scary to fight in breath of the wild until you figured out like what weapons were effective against them they were actually pretty scary because they did a lot of damage so unless you were able to shield parry which was took a minute to get used to am still not great at it um they were hard to fight unless you had a horse a you know, horse it's kind of easier to fight if you have a horse but um there's the equivalent of the guardians in this game the, the constructs from that were left over by the zonai which uh again why were they or why were they not in breath of the wild there's not as many of them that i've come across so far but like i said i've only played a, like six hours of the game and a lot of that was just me running around seeing what's new um and you still have like the same enemies. They've added a few, but it looks they're all which they're all classic enemies. So I guess you really can't change too much with that. But they look the same. They act the same. They didn't do much different. They added like a new boss moblin, which I like that. I wish they would have done more of that. Gotcha. Um, they did add uh, they they did add some other enemies. They added the evil trees, which are these trees that when you get close to them, they pop up out of the ground, and start walking towards you, and they'll like. Fall on you and attack you, and you have to use a bladed weapon against them. You can't use a blunt weapon. I am Groot. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Except they don't talk. I'm, I'm sure if they did, they'd be like, "I am tree. I am tree." <laughs> um, they have they added what um, is this game's equivalent to the floor master? So the hand that's on the ground, but that's a it, they call it the gloom hand, and it's in the gloom, which. Is this game's equivalent of Malice? It looks exactly the same. The color is slightly different, but it looks exactly the same. But, um, and it, they, they're kind of scary and they come in attack you. They're usually in groups. So, uh, I love those. Those are a great way, uh, enemy to add and a great way they implemented adding the enemy. And they also have, they also added Phantom Ganon. He's in the depths, he comes out of the gloom, and it's just basically a purple Ganon <laughs> that attacks you in a can drop uh weapons and stuff that um uh drops gloom weapons so you get like a gloom sword from him but that'll uh, drain your your uh, health as you use it but
1: it's kind of it's pretty it's pretty powerful i feel like that's wrong franchise purple guy is five nights <laughs> essentially
0: <laughs> um one thing i one thing i really like is um and i know you're probably not familiar with they brought back gliok uh gleok was a uh boss in the very first Legend of Zelda. He's the uh, dragon that has multiple heads. And in the first Zelda, you fight him, and you kill one of the heads, and it starts floating around as a, a ghost and shooting at you. And gotcha. you got, I think he has three heads in the original Zelda, and you got to kill all three heads. But they added Gliok, multiple Gleoks, into the overworld as an overworld boss. Hmm. And um, you come across them, and they have d- different elementals. There's like a fire one. There's I think there's a thunder one and um, he, he's I, I love what they did with Gliok in this game I love they brought him back he's a classic boss I don't think they brought back in any uh, other Zelda that I that I can think of I know they brought back a lot of the other bosses like they brought back King Dodongo he was from the original Zelda they brought back Manhandla. Um, they brought back I can't remember all of them um, Aquamentis they brought back in the Oracle games He was the very first boss, and he was the very first boss of the uh, Oracle games, because the Oracle games were the uh, Game Boy games that came out... They're Game Boy Colors. They came out, like, 20 years ago, probably, at this point. (laughs) Um,
1: Didn't they kind of do a Pokemon-esque thing for that, where, like, one was... One was red, one was blue, but it was like seasons and yep, something ages. else.
0: Seasons and ages, and it was intended to be three because it was intended to be uh, like representative of the Triforce. Gotcha. Because um, the oracles, uh, Din is the oracle in seasons, mm-hmm. and Nehru is the oracle in ages, and the third one was going to have Forr. And I forget. Get what it was. I think it was. I don't remember what it was supposed to be. I don't remember if they actually announced it or not.
1: I take it it didn't do well enough for them to have actually released a third one.
0: No, there's they they got uh, the first. They were released simultaneously, like Pokemon. The it got uh, reduced to two because I believe it was Miyamoto, uh, said uh told them to cut one of the games because it was getting too complicated to try to combine cool. all three stories because they wanted to take uh use uh. Um, I believe it was either the link cable or have like save data that when you put the other game in it uh, completed the story because basically they ended up adding it as um, a bonus dungeon Um, but um, it basically um, because Ganon's not in this you have uh, Onyx I believe like General Onyx I think is his name and then you have like the Enchantress I forget what her name is so, Onyx is in seasons, the Enchantress is in ages. And um, if you. I forget exactly what it is, because I, I never had both games at once. I've played both games, I never had both of them at once. There's something you can do where it triggers um, Twin Rova, and they come and uh, resurrect Ganon, and, then you, and you have to fight Ganon. Gotcha. So, they were trying to make it a three way, connect. the game's connected in three ways, and they were having a lot of trouble. Technology-wise, just because the technology wasn't really there to do it effectively at the time. Right. So um, they dropped it down to two games. Another thing that I found really... I don't find it annoying, because I know a lot of people really liked it in the first game because it was fun to do, but um, you have to rediscover all of the Koroks again in this game. Um, I believe there's like I think there's like 900-something of them. And uh, the, um, are you familiar with the Koroks? Um, it's a it's a race. They're the little tree-looking elf Ye- things that have the f- leaves on the faces. Yes. Yeah, so they, were, they were introduced, introduced in um, Wind Waker. Gotcha. And they're kind of like what the cor- Kokiri evolved into. Gotcha. Um, they're in uh, both games, and they're like little puzzles you find. Like, oh, there's a rock. There's a circle of rocks. There's one missing. There's a rock over here. If I put that rock in the circle of rocks, a Korok appears, gives you a Korok seed. You take the Korok seed to this giant Korok um, that's static on the world called Hestus or Hestus or however you want to pronounce his name. And he, um, depending how many you you have and how many you give him, he will expand your item slots. So you can get another another weapon slot, another shield slot,
1: um, I think another armor slot. Kind of like how in the original Borderlands, to uh, to get extra slots for your backpack, you gotta you see a claptrap and it's whining on the ground, and you gotta go find the piece to repair it. Yeah, S- similar to that. Yeah,
0: it's just there's like
1: like I said, there's like nine hundred some of them, I think, if I remember correctly. Why- and um, why is it that games? Have been getting so ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong, I like collectibles, but not when it's by the end of it, you realize that you've wasted all this time with like five thousand collectibles in a game. Which there are some games that I played were not too far off from that, so not entirely an exaggeration
0: yeah this coming from you that's kind of funny because you're the one who likes to complete your games completely so (laughs) but i i don't know i kind of feel the same way i some games handle it pretty well some games don't even do a ton of collectibles like that which that's not always necessary depends on the type of game you're wanting to do but i just find it ridiculous that you have to redo all the koroks again they're not in the same spots um I don't mind having a system like that to expand your item slots. It's it's optional, and your weapons and shields break so quick uh, so quickly that it's not like you're gonna have a ton of uh, items anyway. But I feel like they could have done something different this time. They did Koroks for Breath of the Wild. You don't have to redo them again. I get it though because people think they're cute. They uh they poof into. Uh, existence or become visible or whatever you want to call it and they're just like ha ha, ha. Um, people like that so I get it but I, th- I feel like they could have done something so it doesn't feel the same I guess that's why what I'm getting at it. it feels exactly the same <laughs> um, you have your zonai abilities that function exactly like the runes did so they do different things but not not that much different really like ultra hand is pretty much the same as magnesis and stasis was in the other one and the um uh, in a uh, breath of the wild you can just use it on pretty much anything uh, you have ascend which is very similar to Ravalis gale it's just it has a a larger range and you go through solid objects if they're most of the time you can go through them one thing I will say though is uh ascend can be useful for like um if you can if you have really good spatial awareness and you know where you are in the depths and there's a spot where you can ascend through the ceiling to go back to the, to the surface. Where you come out from or where you come out in the surface can be like a there's like um certain spots that you have to do something to get into it you have to unlock the area basically. but if you know and you can get to that area, to underneath it in the depths, you can go pop up through that through the floor into that area before you've unlocked it and in some cases there's actually like special dialogue for it because they anticipated people people being able to do that so they were creative with that one that's probably one of my favorite ones so far is ascend um you have like merge and recall those are kind of kind of new um basically it's it leads into like the new uh mechanic where you can merge things together like you can take a, a boulder stick it on a sword and create a uh, like a I forget what the name of the weapon is, but it's essentially like a hammer. Gotcha. Uh, it adds uh, um, damage to your uh, to your sword, and it gives it, like, um, impact damage, I guess. So, like, like you can hit um, stuff, that like, bombable stuff, and it'll destroy it with enough hits. Um, and then you have uh, recalled re- rewinds objects. So, like, one of the first puzzles you use it on, there is a... Uh, a wheel that's turning and it's got two platforms on it, but it's, and there's another one that's turning the opposite direction and you have to uh, use recall on the one that's turning to make, to make it turn the opposite direction because it basically rewinds time for um, a certain amount of time. Gotcha. So basically you can make it go the opposite direction so you can jump where you need to go to get to the platform. It's going the direction you need, you need to go. So I like that one. It has really good potential for puzzles and I like the way they've implemented it so far but i just have a lot of other things i could say like where did all the sheikah technology go that so it's basically none of it is there anymore none of the guardians are there none of the um uh oh the divine beasts are gone the guardians are gone um even your sheikah slate which was like your like menu, basically, in the first one's been replaced by something that one of the other characters created herself, which is exact, pretty much the exact same thing. Mm. It's just it's modeled after the Switch now instead of the Wii U gamepad, which is what the Chica Slate was supposed to kind of be modeled after. Um, and all the shrines are gone, so it's like where, like from the original game, like the the Chica shrines are all gone. It's like where did they go? Why are they gone? I mean, again, I haven't played the whole game yet. So maybe it's explained in the story, but it's one, that something like that that's, because there's like over 200, I think there's like 299 shrines or something, and they're all fast travel points. So it's like, so you had the shrines and you had the towers. The towers are gone too. There's new towers you have to go discover again, which is fine. I, um, that doesn't bother you that much, because it just doesn't. Um. But it's like, where did they go? Because it's like, it's not just the little building that's on top. You go physically, there's an elevator that you go underground. So it's not like you teleport somewhere else. You physically go underground and there's this big old mini dungeon, basically, you got to solve. And all of a sudden, they're just gone. So <laughs> that kind of bugs me. Um, And again, it hasn't been explained from the beginning but it should be if you're supposed to, if you're doing a direct sequel just because people are going to ask from the beginning but all the champion abilities you get are gone so in breath of the wild every time you finished one of the um divine beasts which is uh, breath of the wild's equivalent of a dungeon you get an, an ability which is the equivalent of the uh dungeon item Wait, and it's supposed to be from the spirit of the previous pilot of the divine beast who got who was was killed by ganon or Ganon's minions, basically. And you just don't have those abilities anymore. And it's, like I said, it's not explained within, like, the first couple hours of the game. So I'm like, I don't know what happened to that. But all in all, the game's fun. It's got some really unique mechanics. I just wish they would have done more to make it feel like its own game and a sequel than it, it just feels like a really long DLC to me. Gotcha. Uh, what have I been watching? It's been a little while, but it's the most recent like anime that I've been watching. So I watched the... Uh, and this is I'm really late on this too, sorry. But I watched the Demon Slayer Mugen Train arc, which I saw... I did not see the theatrical version. I saw the version that is on uh, Netflix, which is the serialized version, which from what everyone's told me is just fine because you actually get more information from it because it's not uh, condensed into this to
1: the uh, the movie. You get at least I haven't watched the episodic version of it fully yet but from what I episodes. saw
0: <laughs> hmm? It's only seven episodes. But from
1: what I saw they at least give you about a half an hour more of content Because, like I told you, in the movie, they do not completely explain how Rengoku ends up on the train in the first place and why he has all the box launches. Yeah. They don't, at at least from what I remember, they don't really explain that. Because Chris and I, we actually went and we saw the movie in theaters.
0: Yeah, um, it does give you a good good explanation for that. Like, yeah, because I'd be wondering that, too. I'd be like, why does he have so many Bucks lunches?
1: Like, literally, the, the movie begins with, you know, the explanation of why uh, Zenitsu, Tanjiro, Nezuko, and um, why am I, Inosuke, uh, getting onto the train, and then they run into, Tasty. Yeah, tasty. tasty, tasty, tasty.
0: Yeah, I had a, f- a lot of fun sending that to everybody in text message as I was watching that that arc. Um, yeah, so you, I got a lot more uh, information up front just going into it blind than uh, apparently you and a lot of other people did because they went and saw it in theaters, and, and I'm kind of glad I did because I would have been so confused and.
1: Had no idea what was going on, and you are a bit late to the game because they just what was it here, maybe a week or two ago. Uh, Chris and I just finished the last dubbed episode they did for uh, the Swordsmith Village arc. Jeez, because I still got to do the Entertainment District Entertainment District arc too.
0: Um. Yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about uh, the Mugen Train arc. It was really good. I I mean I I I really like Demon Slayer just in general, but this I really liked the Mugen Train arc. Um it in like in, in like you said, it picks up pretty much right where the uh uh what, I guess you would call it season 1 left off. Yeah. Um it's and really pretty goofy. much in yeah, it's but uh it it works. This the whole the whole series kind of is, but it works. It's a really good balance of
1: goofy in
0: action and like, I guess you would say drama or character building.
1: Well, I was gonna say goofy from the standpoint of like we have Funimation, so the way that it's set up is it's season one, and um, then Mugen Train arc, and then Entertainment District arc, yeah, and then Swordsmith Village arc instead of season one
0: two three and four yeah i had a i've, I've heard a lot of people talking about that too how it was kind of confusing and before they watched it and i think they did that because uh like i said the Mugen train arc is only seven episodes so it's not like a typical season so i think they just made it they did it like that just so it wouldn't be confusing because people know okay this is the Mugen train arc this is the entertainment district arc i don't know which would be considered season two to be honest I would probably say that the Entertainment District arc would really be the actual next season, and the Mugen Train arc is almost like a special. But um, regardless, if uh, the story actually was not as predictable as a lot of uh, anime that I watch or the movies, because it's technically an ab-
1: adaptation of a movie, and a lot of the movies I find are predictable. I'm not going to spoil anything because... Uh, because of what is it? YouTube Shorts, which I guess technically would be TikToks. They call it um, Reels, I think. But yeah. Reels, whatever. Um, the ending of the series has already been ruined for me. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they're already there with the manga, from my understanding.
0: Oh yeah, so I've seen some stuff, but I can't tell what's fan made and what's not, and I'm not trying to look it up because I I don't yeah. want to get I don't want it to get spoiled for me. Um. The animation was great. Demon Slayer animation is always great. Um, I like the, uh, I like what they do with like the different breathing techniques. Where it's like they do the technique and it kind of looks like the uh, the Japanese art, you know, like, with like the crashing waves or the flowing fire, and it's like it looks like uh, traditional Japanese art. Mm-hmm. But they, it also looks like it fits into that world at the same time. So I, I I love that art style that they they use for that, and just the animation in general is really good. Um, they just did a, a, a great job on it. and This arc specifically, I really liked the animation on it it's because they did a lot of good things. They did a lot of uh, mixing of CGI and traditional animation in a really good way that it worked really well. Like you couldn't, I could, I could tell what was CGI just because I'm familiar enough with animation. Be like, okay, you would do that CGI because it's so much easier. And then when you really start looking, like, okay, okay, yeah, you can tell it's CGI, but you really can't. It's it's not that easy to tell and they, they did a really good job with it um i and this is probably going to get a little bit of heat for that i didn't find inosuke as annoying as he usually is to me um it's just his style of character in and there's usually one in most animes it's just like the loud boisterous character i sometimes get annoyed with him because this i just I'm not, i just want him to shut up sometimes <laughs> i didn't find him that that annoying in this in this uh this arc he he was actually kind of funny (laughs) did
1: you i know that like the voice is a bit different but did you recognize the voice actor from from anything that you've watched in the past
0: I don't remember. I, remember. I remember recognizing a voice, but I don't remember what it was anymore.
1: Especially since he's doing the rasp, it's kind of hard to tell. But uh, he was also the voice of uh, Kazuto Kirigaya, or Kirito, for sword art. Uh, okay. And the voice of Aaron Jaeger for yep. Attack on Titan.
0: That's why I recognized it. I couldn't place it, but I remembered I have re- recognized the voice. That makes a lot of sense.
1: What was another one? Uh, Caesar, Zeppeli, and Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Battle tendencies. It's
0: been too long since I've seen Jojo. I need to go back and rewatch it. I don't know where I'm going to start because it's like each season's like a different main character isn't it
1: hell i don't well yeah it's a different it's a different main character it's a different, season season 1 is the the patriarch of the series so Jonathan, Jonathan joestar yeah. uh battle tendencies is his grandson so uh joseph joestar which that's another one where when i finally sat down and watched that i had to sit there and think about it and i'm like the voice of Jonathan Star is Nigel Uno from Kids Next Door. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it the same voice?
1: Yeah, It well, very similar voice because he's supposed to be, um... He's still supposed to be an Englishman, so... Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh,
0: geez. Um, so where, where was I? Uh... I guess really the only major things I had to say about it was um, I th- I thought it felt a little short like I said it's only 7 episodes but it's an adaptation of a movie. So mm-hmm. I don't I'm I'm assume so I'm assuming the movie was conceived first or it was conceived the story was conceived first as like a movie because the arc is so short. Like it, the pacing-wise it's actually done it was written really well. It's just I wish it was a little longer. But I feel like it probably would have felt drug out at that point, so I'm, I'm glad they kept it short like that. Um, and I I didn't care for the ending. Not not Rengoku dying. I mean, yeah, that sucks. I really didn't. I liked the character, but I didn't get like that emotionally attached to him because you spend so little time with him. You spend, like I said, like just a few episodes with him, and then he's not doing much besides kind of being a mentor to, to um um Tanjiro Tanjiro thank you I don't know why that name slipped me um or I could have just been NOSK. Kimpachiro <laughs> <laughs> Yeah But um yeah he, so he's you don't spend that much time with him he's the in the time you do spend with him he's being a mentor to Tanjiro or he's fighting that last fight or he or he's cuz even on the train you don't see him fight but like two scenes i think you see him fight for so his death didn't impact me all that much i mean i liked the character and i didn't like that he had to die but it didn't impact me that much and then how all three of the main characters are just sitting there bawling their eyes out i'm like how did they get so i'm like yeah he's supposed to be like the super nice guy and everyone like really likes him and like in like lore wise, so I get it, but I don't understand. I just it just felt weird that they're sitting their balling their eyes out that much over someone they just met. Like story wise, like less than a day ago, probably
1: you'll probably get more attached to some of the other Hashira because the Entertainment District is them teaming up with Lord Tengen, which is mm-hmm. the Sound Hashira. Is and he like then, the ninja
0: dude? Yes. Okay, I thought I've seen like the first episode of uh Entertainment District Arc where he's like trying to kidnap the two girls from the Butterfly Mansion. Mhm. So I saw that actually or is that at the end of the last episode? I don't remember. I saw that. I remember that scene where um yeah, and, and then, then
1: the uh the Swordsmith Village Arc is Tanjiro and uh the Love Hashira, right? The Love Hashira yeah. and the Mist Hashira. Yeah. Which, Mist Hashira's backstory is a bit heart-wrenching, and so is the Love Hashira.
0: Okay. Well, I'm definitely planning on watching, watching both of those arcs soon. I just have to find the time. Because we didn't really mention it, but... uh Me and Trevor are both dads. Um, My oldest is two.
1: How how old is... My son just turned one on the 12th.
0: So let me ask you, because this kind of ties into what we're watching and what we're playing. Um, Since you had your son... um, I have two sons, by the way. One's two, one's nine months. Um since you've had your son, have you had the same issues I have where I have hardly any time to do anything at all. So me being able to watch something or play something. um, And that's why I'm so far behind on everything is because I'm taking care of them during the day or I'm working. Um, I don't really have free time until the evening after they've gone to sleep. So I get about two hours for, I need to go to bed so I can go to work the next day. Or so I can get up and take care of them and not be falling asleep. To either watch TV, watch anime, play a game, play on my phone. Uh, I like to. Uh, I like to. Uh, I do gunpla, so I play. I uh, build Gun- Gundam models, which I don't have one right now that I'm building, but I want to get. I need to get one. So I have like two hours at the end of the day to decide what I'm going to do out of all of that stuff. I feel like I never get to anything I want to get to. Do do you have the same kind of issue or is it just me?
1: I don't have the same issue, but my problem is reverse since um, right now I work full time and my fiance works weekends. So I do the, or I do a full time job and she's at home with, with our son My issue is I come home and he's generally either about to go to bed for the night so I only get a couple hours to spend with him before he has to go to bed or he's taking a nap and I don't want to actually wake him up.
0: I gotcha. I don't know. I just feel like I mean I could probably make some more time. It's just I feel like I ha- I either have to be I don't have I mean don't have to be. I feel like I'm taking care of my sons, which I'm, my wife takes care of them too. So I'm not trying to say I'm the only one taking care of them. In fact, she probably takes care of them more than I do. Right. But <laughs> um, I'm either watching them, uh, working mowing the grass because I, I can only do that every other every other weekend because that's my wife is, works every other weekend so it's like i can't leave them inside by themselves while I go mow the grass for a couple hours right and by the time she gets home it's too late to start mowing the grass cause it's gonna get dark but um so i i just i anything i have to do around the house um i have to try to find time during the day or if it's something i can do it at, at when, when everyone goes to bed i do it then so i've I know I feel my, I'm really constricted on my time now and it I'm getting used to it now but in the beginning I was it was a struggle for me because it's like I'm used to just sitting in the living room just doing kind of whatever I want and then making sure the house is in a mess or, or anything before my wife gets home or making sure I've cooked dinner if I if it's my turn to cook dinner which my wife would tell you I was I never did any of that stuff anyway so um so i was used to that for the longest time then i had my first son and slowly i really i felt this time slipping away and now it's like i have like two hours at the end of the day which wouldn't trade my sons for anything in the world but it's i i miss having as much free time as i used to but they're getting older they're able to do some stuff on their own now i have i'm starting to get a little bit more time to do stuff so it's getting better but anyway, speaking of free time, uh, um, do you uh, do you like to uh, watch like playthroughs of games and stuff on YouTube and that kind of stuff? Uh,
1: it really depends. Because
0: um, I guess what I'm kind of trying to get at is, um, I, w- I kind of want to address like the stigma of it's weird to watch people play video games. Because I honestly. Just don't get it. I don't get why that's such a weird thing because it's like, I just don't get it. People, you, you people, you, you watch people do all kinds of things. You watch, uh, people, uh, fish, you watch people cook, you watch game shows, game shows on TV all the time. I, I don't mean you specifically, I just mean society in general. Watch people build things. There's a whole, uh, TV network uh, that's uh, dedicated to just watching people build stuff or create things. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that people watch people do, but then if you you, oh, I watch people play video games, well, why do you watch people, people play video games? Why don't you just play the game? And the most common response I see, and probably my favorite response to that is, why do you watch somebody play football? Why don't you just go play? Why do you watch somebody play basketball? Why don't you just go play? It's the exact same thing.
1: That's my consensus on it. I've got a former co-worker who he he likes a lot of the stuff that we like, like anime and everything. But one of the things that he does do with some of his like friends from high school is he plays most of the sports games. So he plays he plays MLB, the show, he plays, he plays Madden or Or whatever. And that was something that I'm not knocking on it. It's just not my thing because my consensus is just like you said, I mean, why not just actually go outside and, you know, toss the football around, go outside, play basketball? But Mm -hmm. like, I get that, you know, for someone who likes sports, you know, you can sit there and. Either play as your favorite team, or depending on the game, you can put together essentially a team of your favorite players from every different every different team, and then
0: as long as you pay for them, it now because now they have it where you have to like get like packs, stra- almost like almost like trading cards. They have it now where you get like packs, and you open the pack, and you can may- maybe get a, a a particular player. And I
1: mean, yeah, there's strategy involved.
0: Um. I have um, kind of a theory and I guess mine is my theory is people are drawn to things that they enjoy but don't have the time to put into or the energy to put in the effort to do it so they watch someone else do it and they get the satisfaction of that task or that problem or whatever it is getting completed or they don't have the skill to do it themselves. So they watch someone else do it in the same thing. You, you watch somebody else do it that you're rooting for, or that you have some kind of atta- uh, emotional attachment to. And when they succeed, you get the same satisfaction of
1: is as if you did it yourself. I mean, it sounds. I know it's going to sound goofy, but like on my PS5, I have a account that I call Dummy. And I will sit there and, like, when I buy games, I will literally play them on the dummy account before before I actually play it on my main account just to make sure that I actually want to play the game.
0: So that you don't ruin your, like, perfect Platinum Trophy record oh. on your wall. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I don't even have, like, out I mean, of... I'm just kidding. I mean, I've got, what, a backlog of about 300 some games like not all of them digital not all of them physical copies but like what is it as of last weekend i have 72 platinums
0: i honestly um never really got too much into doing the the achievement or the trophies or anything I, i liked the idea i still like the idea and I completely understand why people like to, to go for them, but it's I never really got that much into it, I guess.
1: My thought process is I play the game, and a lot of the games that I tend to play, it's unless I have to physically go out of my way for it, nine times out of ten, most games are set up, at least single-player games are set up, to where you get about 70% ...of the trophies or achievements just through normal means. So just through playing the game itself. And, I mean, especially something like just throwing it out there like Darksiders, for example. You go through all the dungeons, you get the collectibles. Yeah. By the time that you're about to fight the final boss, you're seventy percent of the way through it. It's like why not go ahead and just complete it?
0: yeah, that's kind of been my experience too. It's like you're just playing through the game, you'll get the majority of whatever achievements or trophies or whatever you want to call them um you'll for probably I'd say eighty to ninety percent of the games that I've played that's that's been my experience too, and I mean unless it's
1: unless it's something ridiculous like uh, playing something like what is it I don't really play any of the call of duties but I know that there's quite a few like games that are specifically based around first or like actual competitive play where there are certain things where you have to be like in the like like the top percentile of players for like a week or something to get to get a specific trophy or
0: yeah some of them get ridiculous like that i was actually watching something the other day about all the hardest or most ridiculous trophy or in-game achievements or whatever to get And some of them are just some of them are stupid and what you gotta do
1: and another thing that i really like to do is i like to go through and actually look at the trophy names because like some of them like a really good play on words, like uh, um, one of the progression trophies for I think it's Gears of War Two. So one of the one of the progression achievements is a Princess Bride reference.
0: Oh yeah, it is. That one. It
1: is. Have fun storming the castle. I forgot. Or about that. Um, it's been a while since I played it, but the game. Deadlight which it's a side scroller where it's supposed to take place in the 80s essentially a zombie apocalypse has has happened and you're trying to you're trying to save your family and then at the end of it you come to realize that there's there's nobody to save and you're holding on to a memory but literally every trophy for that game is a iconic '80s m- music reference. I
0: remember you showed me that one. That that one was because
1: funny. you remember me complaining because it was so perfect. One of the trophies was never gonna give you up, and I'm like, God damn it! I had a game Rick Rollman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember. I do remember that now. That was a while ago, <sighs> and I think what was it? The first Borderlands. A lot of the achievements and trophies were like movie references. Like when you get uh, yeah, your they were, weren't they? When you get your first I think it's either class mod or your first artifact, that is a Monty Python reference. Because the the the, the achievement is called There are those who call me Tim.
0: Uh, and then you have the achievements like uh face McShooty. Ah yes. Well, that was a quest, not an achievement, I think you got an achievement for it, too,
1: didn't you? The, the, you got an achievement for it, which, if I'm remembering correctly, it was just called, Shoot Me In The Face! <laughs> and uh, um, Or, like, when they did the Deadpool video game, which I know that there are people that liked it, people that didn't like it, but the trophy, or the platinum trophy for that was, Okay, you can sell the game now. <laughs>
0: Which is kind of funny because that's kind of how some some people are. They complete the game like that and they're done. They never want to, They'll never play it again. Just fine. Then we get cheap games at the used game stores.
1: Which, I mean, I don't have the highest platinum rating, but at the same time, I will go through and I'll look, and I will see like all the like ultra rare platinums that I have, and I'll sit there and look at it, and I'm like. I don't understand why I'm in this percentile because this game wasn't... I'm not saying that it was easy, but it wasn't difficult enough to where like, I ever wanted to give up. I mean, hell, I'm very surprised that for like the Crash Insane Trilogy, I have the Platinums for Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, Cortex or Cortex Strikes Back and Crash Bandicoot Warped and like when I finally revisited those almost a year after it came out and I originally at least played through the base game the last trophies that I had to do were all the Time Relic challenges which I honestly didn't think that I was going to get uh, gold or platinum on the Time Trials and I, because like the trophies to finish those out, you don't have to get the platinum. You just have to at least get gold mm-hmm. on the majority of them. Gotcha. And for all three of those games, uh, the platinum, like the platinum tracking of how many people have actually gotten that are one point something. Jeez. I've, heard, that's the, only I've in, heard some of the time
0: trials are kind of hard though. But that's there?
1: also only like it only tracks for us, for, like, North America. Yeah. It doesn't track, like, if you go to, like, PlayStation Profiles, it'll give you a completely different ranking because it's doing worldwide. Gotcha.
0: So, I guess we could both agree that um, watching people play video games is not really that much different than watching pretty much any other quote-unquote reality TV show.
1: No, um, and I'll do. I'll I'll watch them just like the same as my dummy profile. mm -hmm. If I haven't bought the game, you know, I'll sit there and like look up a uh, playthrough trailer or someone actually playing it to see if it's worth grabbing, in my opinion.
0: So, uh, moving on to watching anime then, um, there's. Typically, if you watch anime, you fall into uh, one of two categories where you either like to watch anime subbed or you like to watch anime dubbed. And just for anyone who, I guess, isn't aware what that means, uh, subbed is when you watch anime in its native language, which is usually Japanese. Not always, but usually Japanese. And you have whatever region you live in the subtitles in, in that language. So the audio is the native audio and then you have subtitles superimposed usually on the bottom or top um, in your language or whatever language you selected that it's available in. Uh, dubbed is when uh, the studio, whoever bought the dubbing rights for the studio it's usually either, in the US it's usually either Funimation or Viz Media There's a couple of others, but those are the two biggest ones. Um, That would be when you go in and completely replace the uh, spoken audio audio with uh, a different language. Usually, in the U.S., it's usually English, but there's several
1: different languages that'll get uh, replaced with. Which, to add on to your uh, companies that do dubbing, um, I know that it's been eons... Since they shut down 4Kids, but uh, while I was... Because I had to travel for work <laughs> this week, I walked into a FYE and was looking in the anime section, and I saw a specific box set for a anime, I believe it was called The Executioner and Their Way of Life. And when I turned it around, you want to know whose logo was on the back of the, uh, um, back of the box Four kids. No, not four kids. Oh, just Warner brothers. It is a more recent Warner brothers is back in the game of dubbing from what it looks like.
0: Okay. It's funny. You mention uh, four kids. Cause actually here in my notes, uh, it's in here somewhere. I have, uh, uh, Fuck four kids,
1: <laughs> Hokage. I did a test pilot for four kids. That makes way too much sense. <laughs> Sorry, uh, had well, to throw in the DBZ abridged there.
0: Well, well, we'll get into why, but um, I, I wanted to get into the uh, pros and cons kind of of sub versus dubbed, but um, because there are some for each. Um, so for. Uh, subbed you um so subtitles you usually for subtitles you get um a translation that is closer to uh the actual japanese audio because a lot of times when they dub it sometimes they will um change things to make it make more sense to whatever region or they'll just completely replace audio and sometimes it's not for any good reason and
1: like turning a rice ball into a donut well, i
0: was i was getting there actually that's actually one of the things i was getting to when i got to localization but um yes that's what that's more localization than sub than subbing but it's pretty much the same thing this like is the, where you the, say fuck four kids again yeah that's because <laughs> that yeah that was a four kids thing that they did um i'm talking about how where um The first example that comes to mind it's a really bad example but it's the one that comes to mind quickest and uh i'm gonna mispronounce the name kobayashi dragon maid um there is a scene that a lot of people will reference when talking about this where um one of the main dragons answers the door and uh is wearing something different than what she normally does and one of the characters says oh you uh you're wearing something different today and in the japanese version she has just a normal response to why she's wearing that i don't i honestly don't remember the off the top of my head what the response is the english dub and i can't confirm this but it would not surprise me if it's true just because of who it is supposedly it was the english voice actress that decided to change this changed it to something along and this is ad-libbing but it's something along the lines of oh i felt like breaking the patriarchal oppression of
1: women by and wearing something different today well you also got to look at that and this also goes for um music as well oh yeah it's it's anything that's localized or anything that has that that's edited like perfect perfect example um he doesn't really do a lot of that anymore but one of my favorite uh YouTube artists that would actually do covers of anime openings is Nate Wants to Battle. I like a lot of his opening his and translations. What he does as far as um, translating when it comes to doing a song is what they do in dubbing as well where you try to go with what the translation is, but you Pick out what actually fits. Yeah. Within, like for music, it's trying to match the the syllables, the the pitch of the original singer's voice, and then in anime, it's trying to match the mouth flap movements. Which, oh, well,
0: honest, in all honesty, that's a lot easier because a lot of the because uh, it used to be like um one of the reasons why like if you go back to like the 70s and watch like the 70s anime where everyone's talking super fast Mm -hmm. it's because in japanese you can say a lot more with less words Mm -hmm. and it's not that way anymore but back then japanese was like oh no this is our original stuff you can't slow down the the mouth flaps or anything because that's altering our craft so they had to work with what they had. They, from what I understand, it's a lot easier now for them to let them change the mouth flaps to match at least the speed of what um, you, we need to say in, in English to get the same information across. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like uh, a <laughs> what comes to mind is speed racer. Like, oh like, yeah, <laughs> I can't even remember any of the uh, zingers from that. But it's like when they're talking super freaking fast, and it's like it 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 just sounds awful and that's the reason for that is because that that was a japanese uh anime that Hanama barbera got um the uh, rights for to air in the u.s and when they had when they went to dub it they
1: had to just speak really fast and this is this is an example that i want to use that kind of that kind of changes what we're talking about in that respect and my my fiance likes to talk about this all the time and it's something I've only seen a couple episodes of and she can only do a couple episodes at a time for it but uh, have you ever heard of Ghost Stories?
0: Oh yeah I watched that with you all before, uh, back when we had the apartment.
1: No that was that was Ghost Hunt.
0: Uh, oh yes I have heard of Ghost Stories. So That's actually ghost- one of the ones I've been interested in seeing.
1: So for those who don't know um, usually, what happens for something to become an anime is, you know, the manga, the, the original Japanese comic becomes popular enough that they get greenlit for a show. And with most uh, of the time, sometimes, most of sometimes the, time, the anime comes first. Most of the time, Ghost Stories was one of those where it was a very popular manga, they decided to make it into an anime, and it It flopped in Japan, but they still wanted to, you know, make money off of it here in the West. So when they sold the dubbing rights, they pretty much told the studio that they did not have to essentially go off of like the actual, the original script. They pretty much told them, as you have to follow the storyline, but you can pretty much ad lib the script. And, like, from what my fiance told me, was there was a point with the voice actors and actresses that were on that show. It was literally, they turned it into a race to get to the recording booth because whoever got there first got the first opportunity to set up the jokes for the episodes. Oh my goodness. And uh, one sequence that she likes to show people, if she's showing it to them for the first time, is specifically what we're talking about with dubbing where they have to match the mouth flap movements where there is a character and he's supposed to be talking and he's out of breath and he's like, I don't see how anybody can actually talk this fast. (laughs) Oh
0: goodness. But
1: it's one of those where we dubbed it and they made it more into a comedy and then it got sent back to Japan and they dubbed or they subbed it for themselves and it became more popular from our bastardized version of it than it ever did when they first made it in japan that is that is just awesome i love i love i love
0: that um so try to get back on track here a little bit so we uh <laughs> uh, uh most uh you one of the other advantages to doing subtitles is you actually get the anime a lot faster uh you get a a lot well nowadays they have simulcasts where it's uh dubbed in english and it's also recorded in japanese and released at the same time in both japan and in the west a lot of anime does that now especially with streaming services but um back in the day (laughs) Back in like the nineties, when me and when me and Trevor were, pr- uh, I'm am assuming it was the nineties when you got in animates, but pretty much when it started getting popular here, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, sub release would get released a lot faster than the dub release was because they had to take the time to actually go over and dub it and then re- and release it. So um, there's also a lot larger selection of. Uh, subbed anime than there is dubbed anime so um just because not every anime gets a dub which there's not, i guess there's nothing wrong with that Mo- most of the really popular ones obviously get dubs but there's um, quite a few and there's quite a few that i've wanted to check out that only have subbed which is fine i i uh
1: i can watch either but and I'm pretty sure that since you mentioned the 90s there are some things because it, it seems like whenever I talk to somebody that's our age or close to our age and I'll be like hey you remember that one thing they'll just look at me and be like what are you talking about because because <laughs> I don't know if you were aware but Pokemon before before it actually landed on uh, uh, WB4 Kids it was actually on two different networks before that yeah i don't remember what they were but i so, do remember that so it was on it was on fox at one point and then before uh warner brothers took it it was on uh i think it was on tbs like they had a slot for cartoons that like in that the afternoon surprise.
0: that wouldn't surprise me so I guess that's a good segue into localization because this is where I wanted to talk about uh, fuck four kids. <laughs> <laughs> so since we've already brought them up several times, um, the reason uh, so localization, uh, pretty much what localization is, is it's very it's similar to dubbing, but it's um, more for cu- cultural stuff that would not make a whole lot of sense to people in the West. And not all anime does it, and it's done a lot less now because people are a lot more aware of uh, Eastern culture than they used to be. Um, I honest, my personal opinion, I don't understand why they just, they thought they had to change it to begin with, because I've always thought, because I've always, I've always had this thought since I was a kid, I see something weird to me in an anime or a TV show. I want to find out what it is and why it's so weird. So that that encourages me to learn something about another culture. Um, I wasn't exactly thinking of it like that as a kid. I was just like, "Well, that's weird. Why is it like that?" That's more the mindset I had. But now that I'm older, I realize, "Oh, that's a cultural thing. What does it mean?" Um, because I want to understand it. Because I want to. And a lot of times, if you understand the culture, it makes a lot more sense, and it has a lot deeper meaning when you're watching it. But what a lot of things, a lot of uh, uh, studios will do is they'll take out some of those, and a lot of times it's harmless. But then you get studios like Four Kids that will just completely just like do stuff that just doesn't make sense. I've
1: like, actually got a story for for that. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, like growing up, uh, myself and my childhood best friend, we liked. The different the various different like Gundam Wing and then when they did Gundam 8th MS Team so you know we watched it and like at the beginning of the series like the main character gets stranded on earth and he's in the jungles and he's there's a there's a point where he uh, comes across the waterfall and he pretty much he's like oh great water so he sits there goes and starts drinking from the water or from the water that's coming down from the fa- or the waterfall, and he, uh, and he just after he drinks, he just sits there and he's just like marveling at the waterfall. And then all of a sudden, a girl pops up out of out of the water. And they have this whole exchange where she doesn't realize that he's there, he's dumbstruck, she freaks out, and then a bunch of goons grab him and they're beating the shit out of him back at their camp. Where they're like, we haven't even seen her like that, and myself and my friend didn't get it until his mom bought him the VHS for it, and it was, it was the... Dubbed VHS, but it said uncut, and we didn't know why it was uncut. Until we watched the episode again, and when she jumped up out of the water, she was naked. Yep. And watching it again, like the the dub for it, or the way that they localized it for television, someone crudely drew... a. Two piece swimsuit on her, kind of like uh, another perfect example of like uh, I think it was uh, Dragon Ball Z Tree of Might. Uh, they they someone sat there and painted in a very crude little little tree. Or shrubbery when Gohan is sitting there sitting there naked after he's gone after he got his tail cut off and he went from being the Ozuru to a little boy again. And they just like plopped a random that. tree that
0: was so
1: damn out of place.
0: I remember that. Well at least they put something there. They didn't have just like the random like steam clouds or like the uh, streak of light that just you know what I'm talking about, or heck, some of them will just straight up have uh, sensor bars. I think one of the most creative ones—I guess it's not really creative—but one of the uh, more funny ones was in a uh, Rosary Vampire, where anytime they had anything that they needed to "quote unquote" censor, they would have—I um, can't remember her name—the little her little bats come in and cover, it, and they would even say to the camera, "You're not allowed to see this," or something like that,
1: or some like little one-liner like that. I mean, there were a lot of things where, like, over the years, like, uh, around the time I really didn't, like, watch Cartoon Network, so, so you know, 4Kids was done at that point where, like, I'm flipping through the channels and I didn't really watch it but, like, Code Geass. They got to the point where they just stopped being creative and they just started pixelating stuff. Really? That's stupid. Oh, yeah, the I don't remember when exactly it was, but it was when Go- Code Geass was still on TV. I was flipping through the channels, and there was a section where one of the characters was apparently like partially nude, and they just they just like pixelated it.
0: I think I know what you're talking about because I actually
1: I actually got into Code Geass when it was out. And another perfect example of localization, which you're gonna say fuck four kids again, is their uh, like. They have no problem with characters having swords, but guns is a completely oh,
0: different. Are you going to talk about Yu Gi Oh? Yes, Yu Gi Oh. Okay. That's one of the it, examples I have. <laughs>
1: where it went from like uh, Maximilian Pegasus's goons having guns and pointing them at Kaiba, or Bandit Keith having a gun and pointing it at at uh, Maximilian, it's finger pointing instead. Yeah, and then there's a. Uh but then there's also the uh
0: quote unquote badass moment where someone's pointing a gun at kaiba and he flips his card and it lands perfectly to block the hammer from coming from uh uh yeah shoot uh firing the hit, from hitting the firing pin basically is what I'm trying to say
1: or all the various changes that they did to uh to card designs for- yeah
0: anything that looked like it was an act like a an actual gun, or even some of them were even, like, the cannons that looked like they were, like, actual cannons.
1: Well, I'm not even specifically talking about that. I'm talking about, like, they wanted uh, oh, the, they wanted certain... The censorship. The censorship, so From, good yeah. characters, so, no, like, you the can't have You
0: can't have cleavage. Yeah. You, you can't have, like, uh, uh, female-looking cars, because none of them are actually human, I don't think, but um, I guess some of the I guess there are some that are humanoid, but... Yeah. Some of, like, you can't have any humanoid character that's wearing essentially what a bathing suit would be, and they have no problem showing, showing bathing suits. But you can't have it on the card, so you gotta change the art. Um, yeah, so that's kind of why we are both kind of saying, fuck four kids, because they would... Like Trevor already mentioned, in Pokemon, they would they changed, I think... um
1: it was a rice ball. To yeah. Donuts. Changed, I was
0: trying to think of the. I think it's like Onigiri or something like that. Is what the I, for, I, for, I used to know what the Japanese like, name they, was they, for it. They but.
1: called it a donut. Yeah, but, but they it's didn't. Clearly, even,
0: it's clearly a rice ball. Yeah, they didn't even bother the, to the, change it to a donut. And that's what I'm talking about. Something like that. I, I knew, even as a, a kid in the 90s watching it, I knew what rice balls were. I knew they were a Japanese thing. So. Changing it to a donut was really kind of stupid to me even back then. It's like, I, that's not a donut. It's a rice ball. Why are they saying it's a donut? It made no sense.
1: Like, I, I get that they were trying to be a very child friendly company, but um, it, it well, some, doesn't make sense. Like, uh,
0: some of the stuff they chose to change, though, makes no sense because it's not going to make a difference to a kid. In fact, it's going to make a kid confused when they go and watch it from somewhere else that's not the four kids dub and they're like
1: that's not what it was when i watched it because uh one of the things even though i don't really watch one piece and haven't since that was another example i had since the original like sanji is a perfect example sanji (laughs) smokes cigarettes but they crudely changed it to he doesn't smoke cigarettes he's he he has a sweet tooth or he's got a sweet tooth
0: he's constantly got a lollipop in his mouth I find it funny. I think I think it might have been a JoJo gag they did. There, I forget what anime it was from, but there's one. There's one where they actually make fun of that, where it's someone who's, uh, they've got the stick hanging out of their mouth, and there's smoke coming out of it. And the guy's like, "I don't know. I didn't know you smoked cigarettes." He's like, "I don't." He pulls it out. It's a giant ass lollipop. He's like, "I'm just licking it so hard." <laughs> I'm just it so hard. There's smoke coming out the the stick. <laughs> yeah but um so yeah four kids was did all kinds of then it's all in major changes to well not major changes but noticeable changes to things that a kid's not going to care about and i get the removing guns but it's everyone knows what a gun looks like no one's actually getting shot in any of these scenes even in the uncut scenes and some of the stuff they changed like like you said they changed oh, i'm pointing a gun at you i'm pointing my finger at you and telling you you got to come with me it's like why would anybody go with you just because you're pointing a finger at, at
1: me i'm not saying that all things that four kids did no. were bad no. but like another good example and this is from the Yu Gi Oh franchise again um changing like making it so that like there are certain voices, voice actors that I feel should have done something different because I don't know how far it is in GX. I've just seen snippets of it because I never, oh, you I never finished. I mean, GX had its moments, but there is a moment where, like, there's a guy that. Uh, one of the antagonists in a duel, like, he's, like, big, buff-looking guy. He's got scars all over him. It looks like he's, like, almost wearing some sort of, like, S&M gear. And he talks like this. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think we've gone over all the examples that I had that I came up with. But uh, for, for four kids, it's just... Some of the decisions were just really questionable. And I don't understand why they changed a lot of the stuff they did. Some of the stuff they changed made sense like another another yu gi oh reference um there is a scene with teya i believe was her name the female main character mm-hmm. um that the uncut version um there's a scene that where she either gets assaulted or almost gets assaulted and they completely cut that out and changed like the very end of it where she's like um, I think it's um, one of the other. I forget the character's name. One of the other characters comes and he's like, like helping her, and they change that to explain like the embarrassed or the look on her face to where she has to go pee, and she's embarrassed because she needs to go. I think she either peed herself or she has to go pee. So they they cut out the the assault, which I get that that's that's an acceptable um, localization if you're if you're doing it with a kid's audience in mind. Which I would say the, especially the first Yu-Gi-Oh series, at least in the U.S., was very much a kids series.
1: Well, and Yu-Gi-Oh in itself was very odd because I don't know if you know the origins, but originally, um, the pilot for that it wasn't cards. It was, mm-hmm. it was just any yeah game of dual, chance
0: dual monsters was one of like a bunch of games they had cuz the originally it wasn't supposed to be just cards it was supposed to be like a a bunch of tabletop games it was just the it, cards was the one the dual monsters was the one that stuck the most it, it
1: wasn't even that cuz i'm pretty sure that in the pilot or like the original pilot zero or zero um Russian roulette was involved. Really? Like, any game of chance... Gotcha. ...to, like, play off the... the You're potentially going to go to the Shadow Realm or die if you lose this. Speaking of, the, of that, uh, in the manga, um,
0: the Shadow Realm, there wasn't a Shadow Realm. They straight-up died. So, all those people that got sent to the Shadow Realm in the um, TV series, mm. in the manga, they straight-up just get killed. So, Yugi straight-up kills people, like all the... like. Half the time he's playing cards, or Yami, I guess technically. A Tim. A Tim. Moving on, because I think we can sit here and talk about four kids all night, and we got other stuff I need to. We want to get through. Um,
1: well, I mean that pretty much just became canon because I'm pretty sure I haven't watched any of the Yu Gi Oh series here, like in recent years, but I'm pretty sure the Shadow Realm is still or some variation of it is still involved in the show
0: i wouldn't be surprised um some things don't translate uh gestures uh like it um like uh there's a famous example in naruto where uh there's literally i was watching a uh a, a subbed version of this episode and uh Whoever was translating it didn't know what it, what it means, and they literally put an editor's note like, I, "I don't know what this means." And it was a scene where um, uh, Hidden Leaf Village secret finger jutsu,
1: <laughs> thousand years of death.
0: <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> it was it, it was a scene when uh, Gara is attacking the Leaf as um, Shikaku, and uh, Naruto summons uh, Gamabunta for the first time well, not for the first time, but he, um, he summons Gamabuta, and um, uh, he has Gamabuta and Gamagichi we both, are both summoned, but um, uh, he's trying to tell Gamabuta not to go over to a certain area because Sakura's tied to a tree over there, uh, unconscious, and he, he keeps saying that, and Gamabuta's like, who's, who, uh, what's this Sakura you're telling me about? And Gamagichi's like, it says this, and he holds up his pinky. And in Japan that's a sign for a significant other so he's he's teasing naruto in that scene saying it's his little girlfriend basically mm. um the translator had no idea what that meant because that, that, that doesn't translate there's nothing that we do in the west that really translates to that right but so stuff like that doesn't translate so they have to come up with something um, and I think that's what they they do in the uh, dubbed version is they have Gamagichi say that it's, it's his little girlfriend as he's holding up his pinky. So there's stuff like that that you really ca- you have to be, get creative with sometimes, and sometimes they just or sometimes they just straight up have an explanation in the the sub, and then they figure something out for the dub or they cut it out. <laughs> so, so um, there's there's different things like so one of the uh, advantages to watching the dubbed versions is you can do something else while you're watching it you like there's sometimes i'll have it on just to have something on in the background while i'm doing something else and i'll watch it but i can look away and do something else real quick i can't do that if i have to sit there and read right and sometimes even sometimes when you're um watching subbed the the, i had to keep pausing it because the they're talking they're saying so much they have to uh, advance the text before I can finish reading. So I got to sit there, pause it, read it, unpause it, pause it again, read. It, um, it it just breaks up the action or it breaks up the the mood, really, of the scene. We have to keep doing that. So unless you can read fast and you can read from far away, because sometimes the words are really small. Sometimes it's
1: better to watch it dubbed. Uh, my fiance is perfect example of subbed being good, which I agree with her. Um, a movie that she really likes is called Your Name my name is Aaron (laughs) smack you Um, but the concept of it falls into time travel and body swapping and there's uh, what she likes about it and when we watched it for the first time together She's like, I know that you're not really big on sub, but we're not watching this dubbed. And I'm like, well, why is that? And she told me that the characters are from two different parts of Japan. So there are, there's distinct dialogue mm-hmm. that, like, countryside versus the city. You like to watch them their Japanese animation shows.
0: Oh, uh, I'm from the south originally, so I can say that. I don't have an accent anymore because I was 3 when I moved, but screw you, I'm still from the south.
1: <laughs> but yeah, there are parts since, you know, the characters have swapped bodies for for an extended period of time where mm-hmm. like the one character will say something and then that the the swapped character, the friends will be, what do you mean? Because they're not used to the way that mm-hmm. the character's saying it. And pro- one of the other
0: uh, the, uh, streaming services, basically. Streaming services... I, I'm not a huge fan of anime streaming services. Mm, not because... I, I love that they exist, and I just wish they were a lot better because a lot of the stuff I'm looking for, because I, 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 I can watch subbed or dubbed. It doesn't matter to me. But if I start it in one format, I want to finish it in that format. I don't like going back and forth because enough stuff changes that it's... it. I, just, I, can't, I can't just keep going back and forth. Stuff changes too much. Um, but a lot of streaming services will only have uh, one or the other which is fine for me which is fine for me because like I said I'll watch one or the other but a lot of stuff that I've come across they'll have season 1 dubbed and subbed season 2 only subbed half of season 3 subbed and dubbed and the other half is only subbed they they won't have the whole library for both formats it'll be one or the other for certain episodes or
1: certain seasons. I'll give you an example of that. Um for years uh like and this has been this has been more recent, I think in the last like five years or so, they finished Fairy Tale or the initial run for Fairy Tale and I'm excited that uh they've announced that they're gonna do the next story of it, which is Hundred Year Quest. But um Fairy tale on like Hulu or on Funimation or on Crunchyroll—they've kept up to date. Where they've had Fairytale on Netflix for like ten years or so, and they only have season one, which is like the first three or four story arcs, and they and they haven't updated it. Yeah, same with Attack on Titan the last time I checked for Netflix.
0: I haven't checked in a while on either of those, but it doesn't surprise me that's and that's part of the reason why I don't like
1: I wish anime streaming services were better. I mean I mean a lot of them a lot of them are decent. I mean, I feel that one of my issues with like Funimation Is that if you've already watched something, if you go back to watch it, most likely you gotta struggle with the controls for for like either going back and forth because like I'll go to watch Yu Yu Hakusho again, and like I'll watch the first episode, and then at the end of it, when I go to next episode, it literally will start me at the end of the episode, and Mm -hmm. I've gotta. And I've got to go back to start episode from the beginning, and I don't know if they're having issues with the app or whatnot. That sometimes it doesn't want to. Sometimes it doesn't want to load.
0: That's just streaming services in general, though. It's just an issue with that the the platform in general. Um,
1: <sighs> which I also find it interesting. I didn't know if you knew this, but uh, um, both. Funimation and Crunchyroll are both owned by Sony. I did not know that. I yeah, knew
0: Crunchyroll own, was owned by Funimation. I didn't know that... Uh,
1: no. Did Sony, oh, no, it's Sony owns both of them. Verb is
0: owned by Crunchyroll. That's what it is.
1: Sorry. There was talk at one point in making them into like one streaming service but then they decided not to do that.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be... Uh, I think I'll be probably be too cluttered trying to find stuff. Probably good that they kept it separated. So, I've been trying to save up, like, find enough money to save up to get me a PlayStation Five eventually. Which I know I'm way behind on that too, but I can justify it a little bit more, mostly because there hasn't been a whole lot. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of major stuff released for the PlayStation Five, even though it's been out for like five, six years at this point. I think um so they have i was looking they have the version that has a disc slot and the version that's digital only and i've been going back and forth with with which one i want to get but i think um that leads perfectly into our next our next topic physical versus digital releases for video games and i don't have a whole lot to say for this one um basically i just like there's pros and cons for both of these also um, I'm a, I'll come out and say right now I'm a big fan of physical release mostly because if you have a digital version of a game it's saved on a hard drive um, I've had systems fail before I've had hard drives fail before and if you only have a digital version of that game uh, if that game's no longer available in the store or the store shut down you don't have that game anymore um, I've got games in our living room in there that I've had... Well, actually, that my dad's had since I, since before I was born. And I can still go in and play them. I played them all as I was gr- uh, growing up. Um, my wife, Melissa, she has a bunch of games uh, that we can throw in the Super Nintendo that she's had since, since she was a kid. We can just go in there and play it. I I don't know what we would do if all of our games are digital because those games wouldn't be available anywhere. There was uh, a study done recently. I think it's 86, I think, percent of video games um, that are, I forget, I think it's like 15 years old or something like that, are not available to, uh, uh, from the rights holder holders. So basically the only way to legitimately uh, purchase these games um, besides used which used prices are ridiculous for some of these, is to download ROMs. And this is for and, well the reason you would need to do that is for something like research. If you're researching games from a certain time period to see what the uh, technological restrictions and the limits were and how they overcame those or stuff like that, or if you're doing it for a review, or stuff like that, there is no way to legitimately
1: get get over 80% of the of the games. So when you brought up the digital and then the store closes down, are you trying to imply that like if you had it digital and then you decided to delete it from from your console and then the store closes, you can't download it again? Because that's not necessarily the case.
0: No, I'm talking about like if um like well, it's essentially, yes, but not necessarily for the same reason. I guess if, like, your, your console fails or something like that. Um,
1: well, if your console fails, like, you should be able to, like, perfect example, like, a lot of those games get linked to your account. So as long as you're able to still log into your account. Like, uh, perfect example, um, my PlayStation account, I have... Like I forget how much consoles go for that actually have have it on there, but I downloaded the uh, the teaser like trial for PT PT mm-hmm. yeah and another another game which I've only re- recently realized does not exist anymore. You can't buy it. I bought it when you and I were still roommates, and I bought it for both PlayStation. And Xbox, the Legend of Korra video game that they mm-hmm. that they came out with, um, I that... was able to what back during the pandemic, I was able to re-download that to my PlayStation and really? actually play it because I still, it's attached to my account. I still own, I still I'm... own that license for that. Like there are certain games that I wish that I had done because when we were when we were still roommates, I had bought the 2014-2015 Godzilla game and I bought the physical copy of it. And then you know, you know, money got tight, so I had to sell it. I wish that I had bought that digitally because like I bought that here recently because it showed up in a store and I paid damn near two hundred dollars for it.
0: I guess, um, I'm thinking more of like from a perspective, it, uh, thing. So, like, I'm thinking 10 years from now, if I want to play, um, a game and you only have it digitally, I don't have that console anymore. Like, I don't have well, the only original console that I st- actually, no, I still have my original GameCube, my dad's original NES. I think that's it. I think everything else has either gotten damaged or lost and never replaced it. But, um, or uh, is my wife's, and we when we got married, it's available to me now. <laughs> I'm just because I'll I will go back and play something that I played twenty years ago as a as a kid. That uh, you can't guarantee it's still going to be on on a server somewhere, but you can guarantee it's still going to be on that cartridge. I mean, yeah, over time cartridges will degrade, but they'll be around longer than. Data on a server will be because, or it's, they're more likely to be around longer because somebody has to pay to maintain that server.
1: Well, and that's, and that's also, that's also what I'm, what I'm saying is they're, um, like, perfect example, uh, one of the times that I was out of town here in the last year, I walked into a GameStop just because I was bored and it was, Weird to see it because you don't see it very often, and I got it for twenty bucks—a PS3 copy of Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Tenkaichi. Oh, yeah, and I started looking up and to see if you know the online still worked, if people if people still played it, because uh, as far as I know, for the PS3. um even though it still gives me the option when I log into the PS3 that, oh, well, here's the here's the PlayStation Store. Nothing happens when you click on it. Yeah. So, you know, the PlayStation Store is down, but uh, me reading through forms and everything, you can still play the online for Ultimate Tenkaichi. It's just kind of buggy.
0: Gotcha. I don't know. I just, I've had other stuff also that has been like, oh, you digital copy. and It's like, yeah, the digital copy only exists until whatever service decides that they're shutting down that server. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just uh, physical copy to me feels more secure until a certain point. Well, and because were... you you get to it. Sorry, you get to a certain point um, and you start having day one patches and. Unless you have a system that has that patch already installed, it's there are workarounds, but it's hard to get that game running the way it's supposed to depending on what the day one patch is supposed to fix. Right. If, that's, if um, the patch is no longer available or if that uh, service that supports that game is no longer available. At some point, it's going to get to that where everything's just going to have to be digital because games are released unfinished basically mm-hmm. and they released the patch uh, on launch day to finish the game because they didn't have it ready for print basically so is what it is what it seems like there's others there's other issues they have yeah that they have a day one patch for but there are some games where you straight up cannot play it unless you download the, the day one patch and there are a lot of games where you can go you can go on and find a list of there are games where it's like the day one patch is Larger than the data that's on the disc, right? <laughs> that gets kind of ridiculous. So at some point, you you're not going to be able to go into like a used game store, pick up a game, and throw it in your console without like finding some kind of private server or something where you can download the patch from. if if I'm understanding the the, te- the technology right. I might be completely wrong, but the way I understand it is, unless it's like a retro game you're going to have a hard time getting it running the way it's supposed to be running. There's a lot of games you'll be able to play just fine, but there's a lot of games that are online only that you won't be able to play, period, because the servers are no longer exist. A uh, perfect example for that is um, there was a Gundam game that was like a uh, Battle Royale-style Gundam game. Everyone really liked it. It was really really well-hyped. Well uh, it was out for a year, Not even a year, and they announced they're shutting the servers down for it. So, you can't play that. I think it's it's shutting down either into this month or into next month, I think. And
1: you won't be able to play it anymore. Mm. And that game's been out for less than a year. Uh, What was it? Uh, They did a circling back to uh, Ruby again. They had a mobile game that was... Uh, very much uh what is it uh uh I don't remember the title of it but it was a very tower defense ask um I know, yeah online online only and I think they had the servers open for at least up until maybe like their third anniversary and then they just shut it down yeah
0: and that and that's what I'm talking about is like um uh, well, I guess those those are online games only, but it's the same kind of uh uh thought for me for digital games it's like you're not you're not guaranteed to be able to get that game again, yeah, you might be able to, but if you have a physical copy of the game you know you you have the game
1: well, and there are a lot of those where like yeah that's your only option unless it's one of the games that are on that list of things that are a limited. Supply that uh, limited run will do.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, digital isn't all bad. You still you have digital is very convenient because you can just sit, especially like if it's something that you're wanting to get on launch. Mm. You can just be sitting on your couch on launch on midnight at midnight. Click download and however long however long it takes depending on your internet speed to download the game. Be playing it within a few minutes probably. And digital games aren't anything new. They're digital ga- digital games have been on PC for ever. I mean, heck, Steam is like that's all. That's what that's exactly what Steam is. They sell digital uh, PC games, and they've been around for years. I don't know. I just very much prefer physical over, over digital. Not to admit, not to say I don't have digital games. There's some games that yeah, I got it digital is because I to be honest for convenience really it was I wanted the game so I downloaded it. I didn't want to go to the store and get it. And I don't feel as bad with modern games doing it anymore, I guess, because, like I said, you pretty much have to be able to uh, download the day one patch, so might as well just get the digital version because eventually the patch isn't going to be available. So I mean,
1: I have uh, PlayStation Plus Premium, so like a lot of the AAA games go on the list of stuff that you can download right there and then. So, I take advantage of that, and the way that they said that it's set up is, once you've downloaded it, it's it's in your library. You have access to it, even if they pull it from the premium list.
0: Yeah, until they decide to take that off the server. Because <laughs> they don't have unlimited space on their servers, and they can't keep servers maintained indefinitely. But. Eventually, they will run out of copies, functioning copies of retro games too. So it's, I just feel like the time, the lifespan is a lot longer for a physical game than it is for a digital game, as far as availability to the public. and out of your re- destiny. <laughs> we'll, well, we we might get to that. Um, so did you hear about uh, uh, Bungie and the? Lawsuits against the cheating uh, company, the cheat engine companies? I have not. So, uh, Bungie uh, sued two different uh, manufacturers of uh, cheating software. And for, um, I think it was like lost revenue and copyright. And I think one other thing. Um, They won, I believe it was the lost revenue portion of the lawsuit.
1: They won like seventeen million dollars. Is this kind of like a uh, thing? Since you said cheating software and something else, kind of like how uh, Silicon Knights got sued because they uh, they used what the Unreal Engine without actually having the rights to use it. No, these are the people that like
0: um, will create like um, Aimbot, got gotcha. like. FPSs and stuff. It's those the, the developers of that kind of software because they they went and they went after them for like a loss of revenue due to like and I, it a bunch of lawyers speak basically I don't understand all of it, but I know they won that portion of the lawsuit from two different companies totaling for both lawsuits totaling about 17 million dollars mm. The uh, copyright is still ongoing. The copyright claim, but they mostly did it. from my understanding, they mostly did it to kind of set a precedent for you can get in trouble for doing this kind of stuff. And if a company goes after you, they most likely are going to win because, um, cheats have been around forever in video games. They, heck, they back in the day, my old man speak back back in my day, they used to be built into games. I remember, um, GoldenEye was one that everyone used to do because you would unlock the cheats, and like you would have like big head mode or paintball mode
1: or uh, unlimited ammo
0: and stuff you can get for, but uh,
1: the Konami code was originally um, just a developer yeah. hack so that they could test the game, test the game. Yeah. so they had you know unlimited lives and no, it
0: gives you thirty three lives, but you can put it in you can put it in multiple times. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so cheats have been around forever it's just when uh games went online multiplayer to the point where people are competing in tournaments for cash prizes and then people start developing cheat cheats for that that's when it becomes an issue and that's when i start having an issue with it i don't care if you're gonna do cheat codes in your games if it's a single player game and um i even don't care if you do it in multiplayer and it's like just cosmetic or something like that if it doesn't give you an advantage over other players uh, in a multiplayer play se- uh, setting, then I really don't care. I go at it. But uh, the moment it starts interfering with somebody else's experience of the game, and in a, especially in a setting where people are competing for cash, because that becomes that could that could, be, could become criminal at that point. Dep- it c- kind of depends, but. When it crosses that line, that's when I start having a problem with it. So I am completely fine with Bungie doing this. I'm glad somebody did it because um, it's a lot of people aren't, aren't aware, but it's a big issue right now. It's been it's been a big issue with cheating. There's been so many people caught in professional settings, people caught streaming, um, and people might might not think that's a big deal, but people get paid. Tips and stuff, depending on what platform you stream from, you get paid to do that. And if you're cheating in the game and you're not disclosing that, that's 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 unethical. You sh- you sh- I mean, if 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 you want to be like to, to show off, hey, you can do these cheats, or hey, I, I I'm gonna play this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna have cheats on because I want to play around with it. If you disclose that, I'm, that that that's a different story. But I th- I just I thought, thought I th- I saw that the other day and I thought that that was. One out thought that was a huge amount of money that they won. I don't know how they made that case. Apparently, they apparently they were able to make it pretty convincingly because they won their lawsuit. They won both their lawsuits. But I'm interested to see where uh, where it goes from here as far as other uh, companies and other games and other uh, cheat development software they start going after. So, what was it? Not I think it wasn't two weekends ago uh was gen con and i think trevor knows where i'm going with this one so uh we live in indianapolis gen cons in indianapolis every year um it's a huge tabletop gaming convention so have if you, i'd be surprised if, you have, if you're listening to this podcast and haven't heard of it but if you haven't heard of it it's a huge gab- uh, tabletop gaming conven- convention uh hosted by wizards of the coast who are the creators of um Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Delta Green, uh, all these big major tabletop gamings. Tabletop games. Tabletop gaming. <laughs> um, so, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. It had been Wednesday then. It was Tuesday or Wednesday before the convention started. Two guys, and they know who they are. They've already been identified They from New York. They stole... worth of Magic the Gathering cards just walked out of the convention with them. Um, I don't know what to say. For one, how did... I don't know if it was one vendor or multiple vendors, but how do you lose $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards? And what the fuck do they think they're going to do with them? Because the only way they're going to be able to get rid of them fast enough to uh, make it worth it is if they just sell them in bulk online. Because there's not a whole lot you can really do with it, with them, because everyone knows, hey, these bunch of these cards were stolen.
1: They were trying to get the pack with the one ring.
0: Post Malone already bought that.
1: <laughs> I didn't say they were smart.
0: They weren't, because um, they were caught on security camera. They had a big uh, flat top cart, they had everything piled up on, took it right out the, f- the front door. And then they turn around, bring the empty cart back inside. And the security camera is right there facing the door, so as soon as they walk in, they got their faces on camera.
1: I don't know, man. <laughs> like I what, mean, I'm fine with stealing these cards, but the cart that's just insult to injury, man. It's exactly what I'm thinking. Is if if
0: you're, you already know you're stealing, why are you going to turn around and bring the empty cart back inside? Just leave it on the freaking side of the road. Well, the sidewalk, because it was at the convention center. There's a, there's a ton of sidewalk there. Just Leave it there. Go. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating for people to, to steal Magic the Gathering cards or commit a crime or anything. I'm just saying that these guys were really stupid with how they did it. They got caught. Well, they haven't been. It's, it's last time I checked, they haven't been caught yet. They know who the guys are and they know where they live. They're going. They're going to get caught. It's just a matter of time. So, I don't know. I felt like I needed to talk about that since we live. Right here in Indy, where the convention's held, and it was kind of a big thing that happened. Uh, this is a little interesting, little tidbit to talk about. How about the uh, Hollywood strike? Uh, you heard much about that, Trevor? I've heard a little bit about it, not much. So, uh, I guess to kind of just go over real quick what was going on with it, the uh, uh, screenwriters, is it's the Screenwriters Guild, I think, went on strike. Um, and a lot of people are saying oh it's because of a uh, ai that was a part of it that's not the only reason they went on strike they went on strike before um because they get paid dirt for one and ai is a was was the threat that the uh production companies were kind of being like oh you want paid more well we'll just go switch to ai writers we don't have to pay, we, won't, so we don't have to pay anybody at all so you're just be glad with what you're getting is essentially what they're getting told so they went on strike um they were on strike for a couple months and then the uh screen actors guild i think i, th- I think yeah, screen actors guild went on strike with them for similar reasons because um well let's just get into what actually happened in this the attitude that that attitude has been permeating through all aspects of Hollywood, which is why the uh, screen actors went on strike. So they went on strike. Um, it was leaked by, uh, people in the room, uh, listening to the executives talking about how, Oh, uh, we're willing to let the strike go on for several months until, uh, these people start, uh, not being able to pay rent and start losing their houses. And, uh, start being start uh, pretty much essentially be, become homeless because they're not able to afford to pay for anything because they're on strike and they're not getting paid um, they prune I heard two different stories I heard one they cut down and I've also or, and I've heard they just pruned the trees outside where the picket line was so that there's not any shade because there's a heat there was a heat wave in, in, in California So they're picketing out there without any shade because they pruned the trees or in some cases I've heard they cut down the trees. They also um, illegally closed sidewalks so that they have to be, they're having to stand in the street. And some people were actually getting hurt because they either got hit by cars or um, other various reasons because the sidewalk was closed, which apparently is, was illegal that that the studio doesn't didn't have the authority to shut the sidewalk down. Uh, I think it's, it's department of transportation or the city works or something like that it has to uh shut the sidewalk down so that's the kind of attitude that they've been going against and it's even they've been in talk for um all they're asking for is a five percent raise which amounts to i think it's point like half of one percent of the profits for uh hollywood basically essentially is what that would be, half of a half of, of a percent. Um, they're wanting uh, protections against uh, forget the actual term there is but essentially they're wanting uh, provisions for AI because that that still is an issue, and they're also wanting dividends from uh, streaming services because right now they're not getting anything from that, and they're basically just getting just getting told screw you, we're not. We, we don't want to, we, we don't want we don't want to pay for that when they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and they're see, uh, paying their executives. So, um, it's, I think it was like the sixties was the last time both unions were on strike at the same time. So this is kind of a big deal in Hollywood. If you follow anything in Hollywood, um, I th- uh, one of the quotes that really kind of, I kind of rubbed me the wrong way was from bob Iger from disney who said uh referring to the writers and the screen actors they couldn't have picked a worse time to insist on getting their fair share which my response was why are the, why do they have to insist on getting their fair share shouldn't they have been getting their fair share from the beginning um so i don't it just makes me mad when i hear. People talking like that, where it's like, "Oh, they uh, just give them their fair share at the beginning." They sh- just stop being such a greedy. You know
1: anything? <laughs> Why are you worrying about your censoring yourself? I'm pretty sure I've already said "fuck" five times or so.
0: Oh no, I just got that couldn't decide what word I wanted to say, <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't say anything because I, it was the space and would have been too long in between words and it would have sounded weird.
1: <laughs> no, one of the examples that you gave me a couple of weeks ago when we first tried to record and I had actually seen a picture of it was uh, the actor that originally went into the studio to do Zordon for Power Rangers Yep, and he was literally only in the studio for a day where they just kind of recorded I guess a loop of him just like opening his mouth
0: yeah they they, re- they recorded a bunch of different expressions from him uh, like all of, like the standard emotes you would get doing fr- from like this all the, all the different emotes you, you, you need from a face basically
1: he was literally there for a day and then he left and they never called him back and literally the entire run of power Rangers and uh Power Rangers, Zeo, they they pretty much used his face, but then used somebody else's voice to portray Zordon. He got paid
0: $150 and appeared in every episode. Um, and they never uh, called him back, never did nothing. He got $150 to uh, come in for one session and appeared in every episode, and didn't even know that that's what was what was going to happen.
1: Well, and it's just like one of the things that I mentioned before: uh, all this coming to light about um, child actors from, you know, a lot of the more popular stuff that they did during the uh, the '90s and the early 2000s for Nickelodeon, where oh yeah, I where that. like the main cast had different contracts than uh people who were only on the show for like an episode like uh uh, i remember seeing a video where it was uh um josh from drake and josh talking to one of his friends which i think it was he was only on for an episode And the friend revealing, I get royalties from that episode, but apparently Josh doesn't get royalties.
0: Sounds like Drake and Josh. Sounds like Josh needed to get a better lawyer.
1: (laughs) Well, from the understanding that I have, uh, and there was an interview done with the uh, the actor that played Ned from Ned's Declassified, where he tried to do that. Like his parents sat there and. Like paid to have lawyers and they'd go to try to renegotiate and every time that they tried to renegotiate it's like then you can just leave we'll replace you there are hundreds of thousands of kids that are dying to play your part we will recast you
0: and that's why they're on strike so it's not just I know these are all like isolated little things but it's that's the whole mentality of what's going on is been happening for years and years and years. And they've been, people have been wanting change and it just, nothing has been done. So it finally came to this. So we'll see what happens. Uh, last I heard they're attempting to negotiate, but, uh, Hollywood isn't wanting to budge at all. Really? I guess, uh, we started with what, what are you watching? What are you playing? So how I want to, let's end on, uh, what are you planning on watching and what are you planning on playing?
1: <laughs> uh what I'm planning on watching right now. Um uh, well what I'm currently watching isn't necessarily anime. Doesn't have to be. I mean Um I started here last week watching uh, Only Murders in the Building.
0: What's what's that about?
1: It's got Steve Martin and Selena Gomez and it's uh, all three characters the three main characters all are in the same building you kind of learn about who they are a murder takes place in the building and funny enough they decide to start a podcast <laughs> to try to solve the murder because they're super into a podcast that is about murders.
0: Oh, Uh, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about now.
1: They've got three seasons of it out thus far. I just recently started watching it after, you know, seeing advertisements for it forever. And right now, what I am currently playing is New Tales from the Borderlands. And I know that it's been given a lot of flack, but... it's. I'm at least going to give it a try. I'm at least going to. I'm at least gonna play it.
0: I'm not surprised. I. That sounds like something you'd play. Uh, right now I am probably going to. And fi- another game I'm way behind on. I'm probably gonna finish. Uh, Pokemon Violet. I'm almost done with it. And, I am. I really don't know what I'm gonna be watching. Um. I started rewatching Castlevania. I might finish rewatching that and catching up on it cuz I haven't seen some of the more recent seasons.
1: You better do it here soon because the end of September uh Noctura comes out. They're doing another Castlevania series.
0: Are they getting rid of the old one?
1: No, they're not getting rid of it, but Well, then I have it... time to watch it then. Come on, smack you. <laughs> Anyway, uh.
0: I think that's going to do it for today's episode, but join us again in two weeks. But until then, don't get too distracted.